Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you. I'm grateful for um, children's workers who allow our our kids to go and to learn about the Bible and learn about Jesus in age-appropriate ways. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to gather in the house of the Lord. Amen? Um, Today, as we look to God's Word, um, over the past several months, we've been motoring through um, the lectionary cycle. Um, During the summer, we took a look at at Jonah uh, and kind of journey our way through six weeks uh, with with Jonah in the in the Word of God, um, and, and focused on on his story. Uh, it focuses primarily on the lectionary. Uh, we're in year B. If you're familiar with the lectionary cycle, uh, it focuses primarily on the Gospel of Mark, and so that's where we've kind of stayed in, in the interim time. Um, it's been fun. It's been good. But but for a few weeks, I wanted to to kind of take a detour, um, and 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 move away from from the lectionary cycle. Uh, and look at, look at some transformation stories that we find in Scripture. Um, we spent the year with this theme of becoming new, the, the belief that God wants us to change, that God wants to transform us in our lives and, and to, to bring about something new in our lives. Not that what we have is bad, not that we're in a, in a bad or horrible place, but God is in the business of constantly making us new and constantly wanting to, to transform our lives into uh, something that, that looks just a little bit more like Christ. Um, the, the more we have lived with this, with this theme this year, the more that I feel like I have to say about it, right? It's pervasive. It's all-encompassing. Uh, all it speaks to every part of who we are in our lives, that Christ desires to have all of us. It speaks to each and every aspect of, of the Christian life, of this walk with Jesus. Um, but I'll admit that, that stepping away from the lectionary sometimes feels like, feels like trying on a new pair of shoes for me, right? It's just not broke in. Uh, it, it's like uh, hopping, hopping on, a, on a new bike or, or learning a new skill. Um, and so if you have patience with me, uh, we're just going to dive in and, and take a look at some of these transformation stories that we find um, in Scripture. I think it's going to be good. For this first week, we're going to be taking a look at Paul, formerly called Saul, a man from Tarsus. We actually know quite a bit about Paul, who used to be called Saul, for, for several reasons. Number one, uh, he appears in the Acts narrative. So if you've read the book of Acts, you understand that this is the story of the birthing of the church 
of Jesus Christ, as people began to follow Christ, as people began to, to learn about what was called the way, they began to develop into the church. And Paul was a, a player. Saul was a player in that story. Um, second, he did a lot of incredible missionary work. Paul was, was the one who went out to the Gentiles, the one who said, we need to take this message to all the world, that it's not just for Israel, that it's not just for the Jews. And Paul was the first one to really step out and to take the message outside of the nation of Israel. And then third, see, he wrote a lot. Much of, much of what is preserved in the New Testament, Paul is considered at least an influencer or the author of many of those books. Anywhere from, like, depending on who you ask, seven books to 13 books. So, you know, Bible scholars like to try to figure these things out, and we're not real confident. But at least, most scholars would say, at least seven books of the New Testament written by Paul. Now through this, we get to see and hear a lot about Paul. And we could spend hours talking about uh, Pauline material. I'm no Pauline scholar. There's people who wrote doctoral dissertations just focused on, on the, the life of Paul. We're not going to get that deep today. But I think Paul offers this incredible glimpse, this incredible view of how God wants to transform us in our lives. Um, so today, we're going to turn to Philippians, which is one of the books that he's credited for, for authoring. Philippians chapter 3, if you have uh, your Bibles, you can open them to Philippians 3. If you have a device, you can point it there. Um, today, we're going to be starting in verse um, number 4 and reading through 11. Um, for those who are willing and able, out of the reverence for reading of God's Word, would you please stand <clears throat> as we read this passage? Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse 4 through verse 11. Though I have good reason to have this kind of confidence, if anyone else had, had reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I am a Pharisee. With respect to, to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. These things are my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ I have a righteousness that is not my own, and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his suffering. It includes being conformed to his death, so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Every good transformation story has a beginning, right? Every good transformation story has, has a beginning, has a starting point. Now, a few weeks ago I got in trouble for my comments on, on a movie, and we're going to dive into that pool again. Um, but... Uh, this one actually started as a book. Um, 
Do you remember the transformation story of the Christmas carol? Remember the character Scrooge, how he starts out just this passionate businessman about the bottom line, ready to expand his profit margins as much as possible. And he gets some, some visits from some ghosts, the ghosts of Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future. And through the course of, through the course of this story, a life has changed. A heart has changed. Now, this is where I might get myself in trouble. Uh, the best one of all time that I've ever seen is not the animated Disney one. Um, it, it has to be the one with Alistair Sim. 1951, if you've seen that one, um, just a great rendition of, of who Scrooge is and the transformation of life. Now, for those who watch movies that are a little more current, um, I also enjoy the transformation story of Iron Man in the MCU, right? <laughs> now, this guy goes from, from kind of this, this billionaire, uh, billionaire guy who, who is profiting off defense contracts to family man who sacrifices his life to save all humanity. There's something about transformation story, right? Well, not all of humanity. I apologize for that. Sacrifices his life to bring back half of humanity. I just I lost all my Marvel fans there. They're like, no, you got that wrong, Freebird. Um, there's something compelling about a transformation story, about a life changed, about growth. And I see that in Paul. I see that in Saul. Like I said, there's lots of sources for, for Paul. He's always writing about himself, using his history for illustrations and whatnot. Really, his story starts in Acts. Some of you may be familiar with this, but, but we, need to, we need to have this picture of the before until we can get to the after. It really starts in chapter 7. In chapter 7, uh, there's this episode in the book of Acts of a guy named Stephen who was stoned to death. And you ask, why was he being stoned to death? Well, he had given this rousing speech to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were kind of the ruling class, the teachers, um, uh, the lawyers in, in Jewish community that, that really held the, held the power cards in the society. <laughs> and Stephen, uh, being bold and speaking the truth, had accused them of being stubborn, stiff-necked people saying you had Messiah and you, you chose to crucify him, of killing the anointed one, of giving the law but not keeping the law. This was the message that Stephen had given to the Sanhedrin. Well, the Sanhedrin didn't really like this. Uh, so they go out, they haul him out of town, uh, and it says those stoning Stephen had laid their coats at Saul's feet and that he had approved of this verdict rendered for Stephen, guilty and worthy to be stoned. Well, just a chapter later, we find Saul again. He's on his way to Damascus to find more followers of the way so that he can persecute them, so that he can tell them this needs to stop or else with the power to arrest and bring them back to Jerusalem. And he's walking along the road to Damascus, and what happens? A light breaks out from heaven, shines down upon him. A voice 
Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? <laughs> Gets his attention. Uh, he's told to go into Damascus and to wait for instructions. The, the light turns out and, and he cannot see. He's been rendered blind. Some of you know this story. It's in Damascus that uh, there's a guy named Ananias that's, that's invited by God, instructed by God, go and find Saul. And Ananias is like, uh, God, <laughs> have you heard what Saul does? I know I've heard of this guy, Saul, and people end up dead or they end up arrested. And life is not good around this guy. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, God says, Go, this man is the agent I have chosen to carry my name before Gentiles and all people and even to the Israelites. And so Ananias goes. Ananias is faithful to the call that God had placed on his life. He goes and prays for, for Saul. And it, and it says, what appeared to be scales fell from Saul's eyes. His sight was restored. And he said, I, I got to get baptized. This, this is the way in which I will walk says he ate, regained his strength, stayed in Damascus. And what did he do? He started preaching in the synagogue about Jesus. <laughs> about Jesus. And the people were like, what is going on here? We know this guy. We're supposed to be scared of this guy. Well, he stayed in Damascus. He confused a bunch of folks, <laughs> made the Jews mad for preaching Jesus because he was at the synagogue. Um, it, and so they decided to kill him. They say, we're going to wait at the city gates. We're going, to, we're going to surprise him. And so disciples of Jesus, it says, lowered him in a basket at night so he could escape. Goes off to Jerusalem. Um, and all the, all the Jesus followers there are afraid of him too. <laughs> like, we don't want anything to do with this guy. We know who he is. We know what he's done. This is not our friend. He's not on our side. It says that they wouldn't even give him an audience until uh, somebody else, until Barnabas vouched for him. And there in Jerusalem, he starts preaching Jesus until people want to kill him there too. <laughs> and so they're like, go back home, go to Tarsus. Um, it's not until later that Saul becomes Paul and becomes a missionary to the Gentiles, going on, on missionary journeys throughout the region surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. And caring, starting and caring for many churches um, that he sets up in his missionary journeys. And this is, this is why we have several books um, written to these churches that he had set up and that he had started. As we talk about this series of, of, of taking a look at some transformation stories that we, we find in, in the Bible... I think Paul is really like low-hanging transformation fruit, really easy to talk about because it's just so dramatic. The change is so big. It's such a great example of a life that's completely transformed and takes on a whole new path and a whole new journey. I mean, what better story of transformation is out there? A total 180-degree turnaround for the life of this man one who was totally and completely opposed to Christ and the message of following Jesus. Now becoming a preacher, a missionary, 
a church planter, a, a gathering planter, saying, this is how you follow the way. This is how you follow Jesus. You need to start meeting. I have to go to the next city, but, but you can start meeting. And we see this sense of pastoral care in Paul's letters as he write back, writes back to the churches. He wasn't always gentle <laughs> in those letters, and yet had a heart for these people that they would follow Christ. And it also presents a problem for us a little bit. If we're, if we're trying to become new ourselves, what's the lesson that Saul, Paul offers to us? <laughs> Well, if you're out there killing believers, you need to stop, okay? And you need to start sharing Jesus with them. Don't do that. I say that in jest. And yet, I also think if we're doing things that hinder the gospel message, it's a reminder that we need to stop. We need to turn and repent And I'm not sure that uh, uh, that's, that's all applicable to us, this, this, uh, this example of Paul who was so adamantly opposed to the gospel. And yet, as I look to Paul, I, w- I want to take it just a step further, go a little deeper. It's very clear that Paul was a passionate man, right? Like when he was against the gospel, he was way against the gospel. He was at the very end, uh, the very edge of this passion for stopping the message of Jesus. We look at his life after he found Jesus, after Christ had opened his eyes, not only literally, but also figuratively, and said, Paul, I'm the one you're persecuting. You can live a different way. Paul took all of that passion, all of that energy, all of that intensity, and said, this is my new life. This is what I will give my life he had the credentials of the Jews. He, he had brought the receipts when it came to being Jewish. He was bragging about it in the text that we, that we read. I, I'm, I'm the Jew's Jew. I know all there is to know. I was a Pharisee. I had followed the law all my life. I knew the rituals. I had the right heritages. I came from the right tribe. I knew the law. I was devoted to the point of harassment for those (laughs) foolish enough to fall for this Jesus stuff. He calls himself blameless. So convinced of his rightness that people who fell outside those lines were not only written off, but they were to be pursued and arrested and charged and jailed or even eliminated. Paul was a man of passion, of conviction, have you met those driven personalities in your life? Don't look to the Have you met those people that are just that intense? And it was the passion of his former self that was all oriented around the elimination of the outsider. If you fall for this Jesus stuff, you're out, you're done, you're gone. And as he encountered Christ, we see a transformed man. <laughs> preaching until he gets in trouble, preaching to the point that people wanted to kill him, that they had the same reaction to him that he had had to others. Lowered in a basket at night in multiple places. The, the, the report is, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. We want to kill him. 
What did Paul do? Our passage today tells us that he cut loose all of his credentials. All that he had saved up, all that he had focused on, all that he had chosen to do, he set it all aside. It says he considered it rubbish or trash or sewage for one reason. Paul, or the writer Paul in this letter to Philippians tells us the reason that he might know Christ. That he might know a righteousness that's not made by the law, not made by following the right steps, doing the right things, ticking off the right checklist, acting the right way, being seen in the right places, but from the faithfulness of Christ to transform him. You see, I think this, this moment in, on the road to Damascus gets a lot of the, the limelight, a lot of the spotlight. No pun intended. But, but Paul was continually being transformed. Paul continually allowed himself to say, God, what do you have for me next? It's not lost on me today that this, this, this becomes the man who's largely responsible for taking the message of Christ outside of the Jewish bubble and to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. That's us. That's us. He was so into titles, prestige, heritage, birthrights, knowing the right people, acting the right way. This was his life, and that's what allowed him the position to stand on the sidelines giving approval at the stoning of Stephen. And he was committed. Nearly every place he went, he would start in the synagogues. When his life was changed, when he said, I'm now going to take this passion and serve Christ, he would start in the synagogues. He would go to the Jews first. Go to the synagogue, get a crowd, and there he would say, let me tell you about this journey I was on. And God stopped me. Christ stopped me and changed my life. <laughs> and then those who were Jewish in the synagogue would be like, this doesn't sound right. This isn't what we teach. This is what we preach. Get rejected by most. And then he would find a new spot in town and preach to anyone who would listen. Later, uh, he got arrested, got put on house arrest, and it says that Paul would preach to his visitors. People would come to, the, to his house arrest, and, and there he was, talking about Jesus, talking about it to his captors, talking about it to his guards, to anyone who would listen. And the lesson we get from Paul is that Jesus' gospel is for all of us. For every person, for every person in our sphere, Paul just couldn't stop talking. It was later in his life that Paul, as a Roman citizen, would appeal to Caesar so he could go to Rome. Why? He probably thought, I bet there's a lot of people in Rome. I got something I want to tell them. In fact, the people who he had, had been on trial before said, if this man had not appealed to Caesar, we could have let him go. But for Paul, 
freedom was less important than what God had called him to do, which is to share this life-changing message that Jesus brings, a message that is for all. It's by the end of Acts, Paul is found to be living in Rome in rented quarters, awaiting audience, awaiting an audience with Caesar. What's the transformation message we receive from Paul and the life that he leads, the life that he lives? Paul's transformation was an understanding, a realization that the message of hope and salvation is a message for all. He had stood so long upon his credentials, upon his status, upon the things that made him a really good Jew. And he was so committed and said, no, you're not doing it right. You're, we're going to arrest you. Oh, <laughs> we arrested you and you mouthed off to the Sanhedrin. Okay, you got to go. Drawing these black and white lines of who is in and who is out. And I think the grace of God transformed this man on the road to Damascus. And Paul understood with great clarity that the message of hope, the message of grace, the message of salvation was for all. And now the gates were busted wide open. Jesus' gospel was for everyone that he would meet. And the message for the church today is the same thing. The message for me today is the same thing. And for you. We can forget that sometimes, church. The church ought to be this place of, of exploration for all, for the hurting and the broken, for the wealthy and the needy, for the liberal and the conservative. For the young and for the old, the church ought to be the place where it's simply the message of Jesus that's preached. Amen? And that when we come, it's our role to have gracious and spacious hearts to allow those that want to chase after Christ, that want to hear and need to hear about Christ, can do that. As the praise team comes up and we're going to close with a song, I just want to I want to tell you that people people like me kind of kind of rule the roost when it comes to church. People who've been here for 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 a long time, for all of our lives, we seem to know the answers sometimes. Seem to have uh, we seem to to be a little too quick to the answers sometimes especially for those who come with questions and doubts that plague them and haunt them. The life doesn't make sense and, and it doesn't add up and they don't understand why this or that happened. I'm telling you, the people who are, are searching for places to worship today are, are needing, some of them are needing to ask tough questions and needing safe spaces to ask those questions. And to live lives that, that maybe don't look like my life. 
And I need to tell you, church, that the lesson from Paul applies to us today. The people whose lives don't look all put together, aren't cleaned up, need to come into this place and encounter a sense of grace that's as passionate as Paul's view. Paul, who had spent his life persecuting the church, persecuting those who had followed Christ, now had opened up the gates and opened up his arms to each and every person he would encounter, saying, let me tell you about the grace of God. Can you imagine his testimony? Can you imagine what he would say? You'll never believe what I used to do. Probably with a tear in his eye because he felt so guilty and so broken and so bad. And yet he looked that person in the eye and said, but there was grace for me, even me. For people in Mountain Home who are living broken lives, they don't need the right answer. They need a testimony that says, God's grace is, if it's open to me, it can be open to you. It was Paul who would come to write Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. He writes this, I have become all things to all people so that I could save some. We have to create that space, church. We have to make that room. We have to be welcome to our own discomfort. Sometimes when people ask really tough questions that we don't have easy answers to, it can be a little uncomfortable. Maybe the church is called to be a little uncomfortable sometimes. Amen? It's okay. It's okay to not have all the answers. We have to represent Christ as Paul did. Might even require an invitation into this space that this is a beautiful place in which we worship. Not made beautiful by paint or lights or definitely not the preacher but made beautiful by the sense of Christ that people find here. And that comes from you, and that comes from me. And we get to participate in that. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, it might require a listening ear, not a lecturing mouth, a response that feels like a warm embrace and not a cold, wagging finger. Can we do that? Can this place be a representative of that sort of transformed life. It can. It has been. Let us continue to offer that kind of hope. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being with us and thank you for speaking to us today. I thank you for this transformed life, this life of Paul. <laughs> Lord, our, our testimony may not may not be so dramatic, may not match what you did in Paul's life. And yet, can we take this lesson that the grace and hope that you offer, the peace that you offer is available for all. Help us. Help us live that in our lives individually 
and corporately as a church family, God. Help us, we pray. Amen. To receive this morning's benediction, as a physical reminder that we receive this benediction, I just invite you to hold out your hands this morning, reminding us we receive this benediction this morning. Lord, may you transform us like Paul. Set our minds, our hearts, our eyes free to worship and to receive any and all. Remind us that we strip all of ourselves away for the sake of knowing you. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.